0: Welcome to Treasure in Earthen Vessels, where we seek to let the
1: light of Jesus Christ shine through the cracks of our imperfect lives.
0: We are your hosts, Aaliyah Gilbert
1: and Candace Stevenson. Well, welcome back to yet another episode. We are excited to have you here. We are talking today about infertility and specifically how it can affect uh, marriage and we're going to talk about a little bit about some problems, but mostly we just want to deal with how can we look at these problems biblically? What can we do practically to help kind of combat the effects of infertility in a marriage?
0: Right, and I think before we get into what the problems are and how we combat those problems, we have to look at kind of a foundation to the source of these problems, which is basically the differences between men and women. We know yeah. God created men and women very differently. And yeah. for men in general, they were created to lead, to provide, to protect. Women were created to help, to complement, to nurture. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking men were created to be the load bearers. You know, the design was to, to work and to carry the hard labor and to protect mm-hmm. and provide for their families. Women, in general, were the childbearers bearers, the nurturers. Our whole lives are centered around nurturing other people. It's relational. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, while it's very natural and normal for women to have a longing for children, it's also very natural and normal for men to not think about it as much, not really... Yeah bothered by it. And yep. this is somewhat of a generalization because there are going to be some men who they get married and they, they want children right away and and it's hard for them. But in general, it doesn't seem to be as big of a focus for the men as it is for us as women. Right. And so that's a foundational difference that puts strain on our marriage because we're looking at this issue from kind of two totally different perspectives
1: and that actually kind of launches us into the first problem that we were going to yeah. look at with the different visions for the future or for our family and when you have these two different people looking at it two different ways sometimes i think you just say like hey we're going to get married and then let's have a family and that's so right. general and the guy's thinking okay sure whatever like in the first five to ten years maybe he's like not very specific let's say but the the lady right. thinking like um let's wait four months and then i'll be pregnant for nine months and then by our first yeah. anniversary <laughs> you know like the lady's thinking about this she's oh, yeah. probably got it a little bit more maybe maybe not until you've gone through infertility for a while you really start getting into the whole like watching all the days and months and weeks and not uh, really right. caring about that. But there's gonna be some very different views on how you want to get to where you were hoping to get. <laughs> so right. that's and one of the problems.
0: A lot of it is just the men aren't even thinking about it. They've got their job, they've got they they got their wife, you know, they got yeah. their and and now (laughs) they got their job and life is great and it's us together and it's just not that big of a deal not that they don't want children they're just everything's okay we're good it's great you know
1: yeah so then the second thing we're going to look at is how our closeness can be affected in a marriage where you're dealing with infertility and you have these different visions and so it starts becoming kind of a problem in the closeness if you're not communicating well and you're not uh, connecting well. So we're going to talk a little bit about the emotional connection there, that that can be affected. Yes, and sometimes, sometimes
0: how communication we, gets blocked or we yes. don't know how to communicate because of it.
1: Yeah, and because we start assuming things about our spouse and we just assume that they've moved on and they don't care and they don't feel as deeply as I do. And um, a lot of those assumptions really can be false.
0: Right, exactly. Then that leads to this, am I his wife or I'm his mother? (laughs) Because because we are nurturers, that's very much in our nature to nurture people. And that includes our husbands. But sometimes that can fall into the, well, now I'm babying him. Now I'm trying to tell him what to do because of this mothering, nurturing nature that we have. Yep. And then the last problem we're going to deal with is intimacy.
1: And that's going to cover kind of a broad spectrum, but we'll get into that. There's some problems there, but we want to address that. We want to build that up and help that. Right. Exactly. So let's circle back to problem one and what the Bible has to say about when you have different visions for your future, the husband and wife, um, are looking at it different and they're, they're attacking right. this, this problem. let specifically about, inti- or not intimacy, but about infertility, and they're looking at it in different ways, what do you do when you have different visions for the future?
0: Right, and I think it's very hard for us women, because especially once we get into infertility, it becomes such a longing and a desire, and we want this to happen, mm-hmm. and that can maybe fall into, we're trying to get our husbands to get on board with that, and mm-hmm. it, he may not be there yet for whatever different reasons, or he might well, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's going to take him longer to get to that. It might often take him longer to get to that spot where he's ready to pursue this particular treatment or uh, even pursue things medically in general um, mm-hmm. or pursue adoption or whatever, whatever, wherever you are at that you're looking at this. Maybe it's if, if even just trying to, to pursue having a family at all. He's struggling yeah. with that. It's we've got to get onto the same page, right? It's important for husbands and wives to be on the same page, to be moving right. in the same direction right. in their marriage.
1: So what do we do? Do we twist their arm? Do yeah. we bribe them? You know, like do we force this thing to happen? Because that's not that just doesn't work. It's not no, a peaceful marriage. It doesn't work when you work are at driving all. at something like this, and you're right. not together in that unity.
0: Yeah. Well, we know the what we're supposed to do, we get it in Ephesians chapter 5, wives, we are to submit to our husbands as unto the Lord. My husband is my leader, and mm-hmm. it's easy for me to want to try to manipulate him, to try to get him to do what I want, instead right. of recognizing that God has set him up as the authority in our marriage and relationship, and I need to respect that, and be willing to submit to what he, where he's at, and in that, I'm submitting to God. And it doesn't mean that you just sit around and, okay, well, I'm just going to submit and nothing ever happens. No, you pray about it. You can pray. Ask the Lord to work in your husband's heart, to work in your heart, that you would be able to come together as a couple.
1: Yes. The most important thing, like you said, is viewing your submission to your husband in obedience to the Lord. Because when we're submitted to our husband, we don't know exactly how God is leading our husbands. You know, until they tell us, but God could be putting something in his heart. And if we're not submitted to the husband, then ultimately we're not submitting to the Lord there because the Lord right. is the one doing that. And sometimes the Lord has a, a season of wait, and your husband gets it, but you don't. <laughs> and, you know, it's sometimes <laughs> that's really hard to... To kind of wrap our minds around, because we're like, no, 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 no. You know, children are a blessing from the Lord, so we gotta have them now. And sometimes our husbands are just more submitted to the Lord, but we don't like to look at it that way. (laughs) We (laughs) like to think of it as you're being so lazy about this. Like, let's be proactive. You don't don't care. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a balance there, but submitting as unto the Lord, and like you're saying, pray, ask God to put it in your husband's heart, because ultimately you don't want to be the one to force this thing to happen. You want God to be the one putting that in his heart and uh, bringing you guys together in that way.
0: Yes, definitely. And uh, that kind of, some of that ties into the next aspect of closeness in our relationship with the emotional side, the communication. Um, Mm -hmm. I mentioned it earlier, needing to be patient with your husband. And in that Mm -hmm. aspect of submitting, it's being patient For the Lord to work in his heart, your desire is that he's working in the way that you're praying, but of course, your heart needs to be right too, that God's bringing that desire together. And we need to be patient with our husbands in these areas. I look at the, there's many stories in the Bible, you have Hannah and Elkanah, which I call the Hannah and Elkanah syndrome, where... Elkanah looks at her and says, well, you've got me. Aren't I better than 10 sons? And she's mm-hmm. just, you know, obviously he doesn't understand at all her emotions. She probably
1: literally just thought like, you don't even get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. You don't get it at all. You have Isaac and Rebecca. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. But when you look at the details, it was 20 years before they had their twins. Mm-hmm. and And it sounds like it was 20 years before Isaac actually prayed to the Lord about this. So I can't Mm -hmm. imagine, like, what was going on through Rebecca's head. Like, Mm -hmm. what is he thinking? Where is he, you know, surely she was, this was a desire in her heart, but not 100% sure. And then you have Jacob and Rachel. Rachel said, give me children or I die. Mm -hmm. Jacob's kind of like, well, um, I'm not in the place of God, which he was totally correct there. But it doesn't seem like there was a lot of compassion on his side either of her situation, of her Mm -hmm. feelings.
1: Yeah. So it's like a loss of emotional connection yes, as well. And then just like you're assuming, or it appears kind of like you're talking about with Isaac and Rebecca, one spouse, either they moved on or they just don't care about it. Right. And so you're feeling like your closeness is damaged. You're feeling alone. You feel like, oh, yes, I'm the one bearing all the burden. I'm the one weeping and begging for a child over here. And we don't see the times when our spouse is maybe doing that same thing at a different time. Um, And I think
0: some of that comes down to, again, these differences between men and women where because it's so closely connected to us as women, we struggle mm -hmm. with it harder. And for them, they just don't have that emotional connection. And so it is hard. It's hard for them to understand why this is hard for us. Yeah, and it's hard for them to understand. Figure out, okay, how do I how do I help her? How do I encourage her when this is such a hard thing for her? And you you had a point of why sometimes they don't share with us what they're thinking, what they're mm-hmm. going through. Mhm.
1: Yep. Sometimes they feel like to bring it up would actually hurt us more. So right. in their mind, they're like protecting us by bearing it alone, and they don't realize that makes us feel more alone. You know, so they're like right. trying to do this sweet thing. And then it's just ending up like getting worse and worse, and then we're accusing him of like,
0: "You just don't care, you know, right. and then
1: this poor guy's like, "Yes, I do care, and yeah, so like for for dealing with this specifically with closeness, you have got to communicate
0: yes. no matter
1: how hard, no matter how awkward it is to bring it up, no matter how many tears are shed, like you've got to communicate with your spouse and tell them, look, this is how you will help me. If you're like, Hey, I need you to pray with me every night about this, or I just want to hear what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Yeah. You know, you've
0: got to communicate that. Right. Um, isn't that the classic yeah, uh, marriage, marriage yep. issue that we don't understand the other viewpoint. We assume things about each other and yeah. when we don't talk about it. We yeah. just, assume it and we don't address it that's so damaging
1: yeah so we, we absolutely have to communicate on these things don't assume don't assume they know what they're saying how it sounds to you like there are times and they'll that- say things to me i'm like do you know what that sounds like? He's like, no.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So I have to tell them like this is what yeah. it sounds like to me. He's like, no, no, no. That's not what I was saying. i We like, say okay.
0: They understand what and know what we're thinking. You know, we women, we we want them to know just exactly what we're thinking and have the right. perfect fix for it. But we have to tell them what we're thinking, what we're feeling, how it comes across, and often we have to tell them, like you said, this is what's going to help me if mm-hmm. you do this or just hold me, pray for yep. me, whatever it is. So communicate.
1: Yes, yep, so that's for number two, for that, that issue of closeness, communicate. That will so help um, that problem. Then number three, this one's a little bit more, this one hurts a little bit sometimes when you think about it, the <laughs> problem of maybe treating your husband like a child. Or you become the mother because you don't have a baby. So let me take care of my husband. Like he's the baby of the family, right? <laughs> and it's so it's so bad because we're just we just become bossy and yeah. we start telling them what to do and acting like we know better than them. And in a lot of ways it just puffs us up and we just think, Well, I know better. You're you're so immature, you're not thinking this through like I have. I've really been praying about it. Have you been praying about it? And we become their mother, we become the boss, whatever right. it is. And it's just not reverencing our husband, like um, in Ephesians 5.33, where it tells the wife that she reverence her husband, and that's respecting him, lifting him right. up, seeing him as the head. Recognizing his
0: authority. Right, exactly. And yes. you don't treat your authority like you treat a child. No. <laughs> totally different relationship here. And I think this is, an area that we women struggle with kind of as a whole regardless of whether you have children or not but especially mm-hmm. in our case when we don't have children we, we're looking for something to direct our you know motheringness yeah. towards and it lands on our husbands yeah we, we have and, to be uh, so careful that can actually be really damaging because on one hand, you want your husband to be the leader and you're right to, right. to be his, the masculine role that he's supposed to have. And then on the other hand, you're mothering him and treating him like a child. And he's like, OK, what do you want from me?
1: <laughs> right. You like tear down his own confidence in himself yeah. by undermining everything he's doing. There's times when you just have to like button the lip and just we're going to go with what you just said, even though it's going to take us like five miles out of the way. Like it's like it's OK if you see something wrong. To like point it out if there's some way that you can help them. But there's other times when you just really don't need to say it, even if it would (laughs) help them. Sometimes it's like it's better for them to arrive at the conclusion like, oh, I did that wrong. But if you had said, oh, you're doing that wrong, it would just not go over well, you know. Like you need to let them arrive to that conclusion on their own. That helps them as a leader. We need to build them up in that.
0: Yeah. And that's really hard to do. At least it it is for me. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It is. It's so, it's so hard if you see like to let him. Yep, a problem, <laughs> deal with these things and not want to step in and control it and or make sure it goes the way you think is the right way. And often it might be the right way. Right. But like you said, we've got to step back and let him take control, take authority yep. of the situation and maybe learn through it and trust yep. God to work these things out. So, lastly, we have intimacy, and this is really a broad subject. Often, we think of intimacy as just the sex life, and it really covers the whole person, the whole relationship, yeah. and uh, it's every aspect of it.
1: We are definitely like talking though about the actual like sex though too, because well, yes, that's yeah. we're gonna we're gonna definitely a part of that
0: <laughs> both the whole area, but yes. Um, sex is definitely a huge part of it. The issue that comes in that is that it can feel like sex has become just a thing to do to get a baby. Yes. And um I was yep. thinking about this and you know, I don't think any woman wants to be used simply as a means to gratify her husband's need. We want to be participate in this. We want to enjoy this. It's not just right it's not just to be used to fulfill some kind of right need in one side. At the same time, no husband wants to be used simply as a means to gratify his wife's longing for a child. Yes. And that's the danger that we can fall into that we're so focused on having a baby. We're so we want it so bad that our marriage becomes just a factory trying to produce babies. You can
1: you can be kind of icy for like three weeks, but then when you hit that like fertility window, you're like, Oh hey, honey. Right. (laughs) How can go it? Yes. Yeah. It's so like tempting to all of a sudden be like, oh, now I want it because I know in the back of my mind, like, hey, we have a chance right now, you know, rather than being like, I'm open to it anytime, because this is a very good foundational marriage builder. Like God made it and he said it was good. And yes, it's for the purpose of having children. uh, But that's not the only reason God has put a great amount of enjoyment and pleasure in it. And that's okay. It's good. It brings you close. And so just keeping that in your mind, like, I want to please my husband. Let's just have fun. Let's do it when, make sure you do it at a time when you know there's no chance that you know that you're going to get pregnant. So that way that's not the thing that's just on your mind. (laughs) You can just think (laughs) about him and you can enjoy it um, and not be focused on that. So like bring back the spontaneity, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. And the entirety of your marriage affects that. It's not just what happens in the bedroom. But are you having fun just as a couple, you know, hanging out? Date night. Date nights, yes. Whatever it is you find enjoyable to do together, do those things and enjoy each other. Does he make you laugh or have you stopped laughing at him for a long time because... Mm You're trying to have a baby so hard that you just can't enjoy anything about life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's finding ways to enjoy just your life together. Do you, do you like to cook together? Do that. Do you like to whatever it is? Find ways yeah. to do things together, and that's building up your marriage for the long term, especially because. Yes. Yeah even if you do have children you're only going to have them for a period of time and then it's going to be you again yep. and so if you're not building up your own marriage then you're actually destroying it and mm-hmm. there's going to be yep. enough for you
1: yeah that's like proverbs 14:1 where it says every wise woman buildeth her home or her house uh, but the foolish plucketh it down and that definitely has to do with relationship if you're damaging your relationship with your husband right now you're destroying your house and then you're going to bring kids into this damaged house that's not where you want to (laughs) start you know like do what you can do right now to build up the marriage that you have and enjoy it because it's god-given and enjoy it because when you married that person you married them without kids and you had a great time with them until all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, no, we don't have kids all of a sudden. And then it becomes a problem. Right. Um, and, but you, uh, at one
0: point, were enjoying them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that kind of crosses into another realm that we could probably spend a whole podcast episode talking about. And that's this idea of contentment. And, mm-hmm. and on the flip side of that is not being covetous. Paul tells us in both Ephesians and Colossians, he calls covetousness as a person who covets is a person who is an idolater. And so mm-hmm. it's the thought that we can get so caught up in a baby that, and that becomes our idol, that that is the whole focus of our life. That's where we're happy. That's where we find contentment is if we have a baby and that is pushing your husband away. And now he thinks so apparently I don't bring any fulfillment and joy in your life anymore. It's your, right. it's the baby. Mm-hmm. And even, even deeper, it's your relationship with Christ. Because mm-hmm. if we're looking for happiness in this world, things of this world we're not going to be happy so it's seeking to be content first off in the lord and then in where you're at and in your husband
1: we are definitely gonna have to do another podcast episode (laughs) on that because that's such a good subject (laughs) but those are the four um, problems and there's other things for sure but those are the four that we just wanted to highlight today and then just give you some bible about how you can combat that and um, just have a pleasing and a a god-honoring marriage even through infertility
0: Yes. So until next time, thank you for joining us on Treasure in Earthen Vessels.